Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. In the studio today, we're joined with two gentlemen from Stage Glass, a company coming out of stealth mode and getting ready to challenge how we visualize and look at homes and, and new construction generally. Uh, Jack Burlington, the CEO and founder, and Isaac Kassab, head of growth. Thanks so much for hopping on today. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure. So I feel like I get someone from a visualization organization reaching out to me. I, th I think what's the stat about all the small businesses that get made every year? I think three quarters of them are visualization companies. So <laughs> to just cut right to it for clarity of the audience, why are you not the same as a traditional rendering company and its approach or, or why go about all this effort of creating a whole new company called stage glass? Yeah. I'd say the, the first thing is I wanted to build a technology company rather than an art studio. There are a lot of art studios out there that have extremely talented people, but in order to serve real estate developers best in actually selling homes before they exist, I thought that you need, we needed to build a company that, actually focused on developing technology to improve their experience than just to work with the tools that are currently the standard for many of these art studios. And so what that what that means is that if we spend a lot of time focused on developing new technology, we can start to do some really cool things that these art studios couldn't do before. The first thing being the speed in which we actually develop these units is in a matter of hours rather than weeks or months, <laughs> which is, I mean, I'd say that's one difference. The other one is that or not just building still images and videos that people can uh, embed and use as their marketing collateral, but we're building full-fledged video game environments, which they can embed either in their sales office or on the web. So that if you're on your phone or on your computer, or even if you have a PR headset, which is very rare, but you'd be able to walk around these properties as if they exist before they exist on any device anywhere. So the two things is we're a technology company, we speed up the pace in which we can actually deliver these scenes quite rapidly yeah. and building our own custom tools. And then anybody can view it from anywhere in a really, really high fidelity. So that just increases the reach that many of these developers would otherwise be able to get. Yeah. And, and so then, Jack, what you're saying is, I imagine I'm going to make a lot of assumptions here, and I want you to correct me, that if, if something takes hours to create, that also either now or as you exit stealth mode in the future should mean that cost to developers per unit would go down. Yes. Right? Yes. So speed and cost often go together if something is long and complicated. Obviously, you have to cover your costs of creating technology in the first place or, or building out the process that you use in the team. But in comparison to someone who is every time, you know, grabbing their proverbial digital pen and starting to scratch again, right? There's no, there's no efficiency gained over time on that. Whereas once you yeah. make a model of a device or a cabinet or a sofa, that model exists and you can change the textures relatively quickly. Yeah. There are a couple different benefits for what we're building. Cost is one of them. I think the other thing is the actual end buyer experience that we're providing is something that not a lot of people have experienced unless they're used to purchasing these hyper expensive condos where you actually go into the sales office and put on a VR headset. Mm -hmm. We wanted to bring that experience to everybody. But then there's some extra things that we can do in these video game environments, which I think are pretty unique, where at some point in the near future, 
there's going to be this hyper-personalization aspect that many developers have not been able to present to these home buyers, where they could essentially click on a, a listing and then walk around that listing and see what it would look like when they are the one living there. So what it would look like with different furniture styles, different paint layouts, things of that sort. We wanted to provide a tool that not just is cheaper, but also the experience that they provide to that end home buyer is something that is quite personal. You would not be able to do that without a video game engine. And I think so. if you have kids like I do, four of them, that's why I have no hair left. Sure. And what I do is gray, even though I'm only, I'm only 41, guys. Engines, video game engines today, they live not forever, but their life cycle compared to video games when I was a kid yeah. is, I would say, almost infinite in comparison. Yeah. Meaning... You know, the last time that World of Warcraft had an engine update or uh, Fortnite had an engine update, and yet Fortnite continue to, continues to release new content over and over and over again. And it's really a race to build out the biggest library with the most variety, with the most experience, experiential opportunities. Yeah. And, and that's it. Well, the funny thing is Epic, the company that owns Fortnite, they just released Unreal Engine 5 very recently. And so even though that Fortnite is not, at least is far as I know, they're not transitioning to the new engine. I know that they invested essentially for the past decade trying to refine Unreal Engine 4. And so now this new engine is going to unlock a bunch of cool things moving into the future where video game technology is increasing at just its innovation very, very damn quickly, which has been simultaneously great and also terrifying as somebody who's building with these tools, there's a very steep learning curve now in, because if we want to provide an incredible experience for home buyers and real estate developers, we need to kind of be up to speed with the newest tech. So building with new tech is fun, but it's also a headache because you have to be learning and things constantly break. So, and Jack's the tech guy. Imagine me with the real estate head here trying to figure this out. So, <laughs> exactly. A and, little. and Epic was also the partner on uh, Lucasfilm's project with the Mandalorian in the volume. Yeah. Correct. So yeah. if you've seen the behind the scenes shows that there's the relatively short step forward of creating a physical environment where certainly AR might beat us to the punch and eliminate the need for that entirely soon. But to create a 10 foot by 10 foot room or uh, it actually had someone I, I pontificated about this like four years ago and someone built it somewhere uh, where the walls are actually on wheels. And so you can change the dimension of the room to match the dimension of the physical space you're just projecting but the ability to, to move around that environment and give someone a tour and have the environment move behind them in a realistic fashion kind of endless possibilities in the future yeah well i think we're a lot closer to that now and that that's really what we're working on i think that it's a bit of a mistake to think of stage less as a visualization company as opposed to a sales tool obviously we're building on this next generation tech which is incredible and allows us to work with some very lifelike visualizations, which are brand new to the world. But the capabilities that Stageglass has to help a home buyer feel the value of a home that hasn't even broken ground and the capabilities of what we can do to help upsell for developers and really communicate a lot of information in a new way about yeah, a potential. The audience not having seen this yet, we'll have links in the show notes to, to some examples and, and to the site and to these gentlemen's contact information. But if you haven't seen it, what, what I think... The way to translate that, Isaac, is in the visualization in a video game engine just happens. Like you, you can control it and yeah. you can tell it what you want to look at, but you don't have to spend the time and energy thinking about the rendering of the image. And that then means that your attention can focus on the experience 
that you want the customer to have versus having to worry about some of the technical issues that you might have to if you were manually rendering a scene or even you know using technology to render that's not using video game technology. Yeah, you nailed it. So the process, if I'm a builder, <laughs> uh, it's funny because people think that I have like this magical ability to program my audience to do whatever I tell them to. So just for clarification, I'm not saying do this right now. This is not a mind trick I'm playing on you uh, for those listening. If you wanted to send Stage Glass a, a floor plan, you're talking about a, hours. So that makes me feel like we might be able to step through this and just explain the steps to get there over the course yeah. of a few hours. I send you a CAD file, a two-dimensional floor plan. What, what do I need to start? Yeah. So one of the things that I found interesting just when I was when we began working with clients was just how many different types of formats these developers mm -hmm. built to work with. It is not standardized whatsoever. There are some people who everything that they do is with them. And there are some people who, you know, they take a photo of a manually sketched floor plan. And it's it's interesting because the size and prominence of the developer has absolutely no correlation with the level of sophistication of the tech that they use. And so we no. wanted to be essentially input agnostic, where what we receive, we've tried to build our tech in a way so that we can take whatever the developer has access to and use that in order to build these scenes. And that, it's okay. not anything, but uh, usually it's either a just a, uh, a PDF of a floor plan with also some of the nuances that make the space. So actually, um, you know, some nuances about the baseboards or about the materials or about the type of flooring, things of that sort. Um, and we either 2D floor plan or any type of BIM file. So AutoCAD, Revit, things of that sort. Yeah. Um, and then we have an input form that also lists the nuances that we would love the information about. Um, and then we take that and then I can, I can dive into like how we actually build this. Yeah, is, is there a human, is there a human putting together different elements or how does that work? So there, there is a human in the loop, but what we've been trying to do is remove as essentially automate as much of the process as humanly possible. Sure. Um, and so like we, we receive the files and we manually validate that we can use them. You know, there's sometimes that we receive files and they're just broken and we're like, Hey, we, we actually can't use this. But most of the time yeah. the files we receive, it's like, you, you accidentally like, build, built the model out with invisible walls. I don't, yeah, we don't exactly. think you meant that. <laughs> yeah, no. Or uh, there are some times where uh, people will, instead of putting a door cut out, they'll they'll actually manually punch a hole through a wall. Oh. So just just some things like that where we'll we'll manually just go adjust things super super briefly. But then we've been building procedural modeling tools that take the the essentially raw components of the scene and then turn it into something that's in, into something that's beautiful and presentable and and really shows the property in the best light possible. We have humans in the loop doing some manual validation, but the uh, amount of skilled labor that we need to actually employ in order to build the scenes is going down quite drastically, where um, most of our effort is being spent on building out the tools to build the scenes pretty much automatically. Makes sense. So like Elon with the Tesla factory, his initial goal was to have no humans inside whatsoever. Yeah. And then he realized, you know what, that's maybe a little bit ambitious. We're going to need a few humans because it's not worth the effort to to try to get this to be 100% uh, robotics. There's just yeah. some things that humans need to do still for now. And, and especially, so, I mean, there, there are two things that my mind comes up with when you mention that. The first thing is what we're doing at our core is automating art, where in order to present a property, it's, it's not just something that you can easily plug in certain heuristics and it looks good. This is like 
you know, for, for the home buyer, this is one of the most important decisions that they're making in their adult lives. And in order for us to actually convey the property in its best light, there are some things that we would rather do with humans than with machines. It's funny you just said best light. Cause what I was thinking about, uh, cause I was a fine arts minor or yeah. a computer graphic arts major photography minor. And it always strikes me as interesting that when I look at visualization tools, that so many of them don't use the golden hour principle. It's like, what, what is the temperature of the lighting in here? And yeah. why is it like what you would have in a garage workspace and harsh? <laughs> why wouldn't everything just be in the golden hour or sunset? You know, cause that's just, that's when yeah. we're all hopefully done working and relaxing and enjoying the best parts of our, of our personal lives. So. Anyway, yeah, best yeah. lights. Lights an important component. No, sure. yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it's really funny to. I don't know. There, there are little tricks that can help you present a property in the best light, and we want to ritualize that, but we don't want to essentially take the soul out of it. I do think yeah. that I do think it's really important that we, as a company, develop a really great eye to in order to help the developers list and sell properties as effectively as they possibly can. The other thing is I don't really believe in automation just for the sake of automation. When there are, you know, when there are moments where humans get creative. That's just what I play when I agree with something really passionately. <laughs> I love that. You know, there was, there was a moment where we were thinking about uh, building out this really complex computer vision program to like manually tag the floor plans that we receive and things of that sort. And then we realized that like, this is something that can be done in 10 seconds by a trained human. And like, in order for us to dedicate yeah. months of time to building out a really crazy computer vision program, it's just automation for the sake of automation. Like I could go and tell a VC, Hey, like we're building a bunch <laughs> of tools with AI, but truthfully, AI is the highest interest credit card of technical debt. So I'd prefer to stay away from it. I if, love that. If we can. So I love it. Yeah. But the number of, of kind of random conversations I have with people who reach out and want to kind of get a little class on AI for me, which is interesting because I don't purport to be an expert on that, but just people not understanding the difference between general AI and, and task specific AI as an example, right. and that there is no translation from one task to another task. It's just, it's a, it's, it's a single task and never the two shall meet more or less. Um, yeah. there's, there's a lot that people need to, to level up on. Um, I'm curious from both of you, what other prop tech companies, companies in, in real estate, do you guys admire? I think actually one of your investors um, is a pretty well known in in the prop tech world. I don't know if you're allowed to say that or not, but yeah, um, I can I can say. Um, <laughs> so there, there. When I think of prop tech founders that I admire, there are really three, and you know each of them has built a, a different scale of company. Uh, the, the first one is is Joe Gabbia from Airbnb. So he's one of our more recent investors, and I think incredibly highly of him. As, as much as people aren't really thinking of Airbnb as a prop tech company, it is the essentially original prop tech company uh, where people started to understand, hey, the real estate space, massive asset class with super low tech utilization, there's something here. And so um, I, I really... You know, I admire him not just for the product that he's built, um, but also for paving the way for other prop tech founders. Um, and then the, the the next one that I admire is Eric Wu from Open Door, and I'd say Keith Radboy's with with that as well. Um, Eric's a, another earlier investor of ours, but I um, 
he and I shared the same vision of, of essentially digitizing uh, a, a majority of the real estate transaction process. Mm -hmm. And I think what he's done with Opendoor has been nothing short of incredible. Um, it's a really, really, really damn difficult business to build and run. And so the way that he's running it and mitigating just kind of the challenges in the market right now, I, yeah. I think it's quite commendable. Yeah. When I interviewed uh, Spencer Raskoff, one of the things, the themes that we talked about was that so much of prop tech has avoided the physical world for as long as possible because bits and bytes are just easier. Software is easier, but there's nowhere left to go really other than getting closer to the physical. And you pick two really good examples, I think, of companies who touch the physical, but in the smartest way possible yeah. for a software company to do so. Yeah. yeah. There's one other that's actually, he's in the earlier stage. He's he's touching the physical as well, but I don't think that there's been a company that has done at this early stage as great a job as branding as he has. And that's John, Andrew, and Twistle of Wander. I think what the group at Wander is doing is really, really damn cool, where I, I think that as we move forward and, and people begin to embrace the remote work world, building these purpose-specific properties is something that I, I think is really, really damn admirable um, because he's building essentially a luxury Airbnb that is task-specific. Um, it is made specifically for a group of people who are these young professionals who want to, you know, take a, a period, a week, two weeks to like really hunker down and nail a task. I think it's really damn cool what he's built with that brand. So John Andrew is somebody that I think would it'd be sad if I didn't mention him. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely check them out. Uh, we'll link to the Crunchbase article um, that kind of details a little bit more about the company in the show notes too. And I'd be remiss, as smart as you both are and as thoughtful as you both are about this space to not throw this out. You can pass if you want. So I'm not going to have my feelings hurt. Any initial comments on flow or thoughts about flow? Because I actually, I, as much as there is the baggage that comes along with it, I, I think that there, I, I also think that flow will be ultimately successful. Yep. I'd be curious to hear Isaac's perspective because he's got a lot more space and uh, a lot more experience in the real estate industry than I do, but I, I've got some thoughts on it. Isaac, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> your I boss just threw under the the proverbial bus there. What, one thing I want to do is just quickly. Um, I mean, Spencer Rakoff for me, I think, is a brilliant individual. I think he was pushing the boundary on what was normal, and I think now what we with Picasso is great and yeah. a bit different than why I appreciate Spencer. But Nick and Ryan from BTS, I think that they have built just an absolute army, a family, and. Uh, it's incredible to see. I, I was part of ETS before I came to join Jack and it's just the type of place you always want to be working. And that I think is such a special thing and an important thing to build in any organization. So those are definitely my people. Cool. Kind of along this, this discussion, and then we'll, then we'll kind of come back to the, to the product and where you're going. Yeah. I'm also just really curious. How old are you two? I'm 22 right now. Okay. So I, this is cool. Cause I get to hang out with the cool kids and, and <laughs> really understand, but what makes a 22-year-old, and Isaac, how old are you? 26. 26. What makes you go, wow? What, what, what is a wow experience, not even just in real estate, but what's the last time or a time that you can recall in the past year where you interacted with a brand, a company, or an individual? Any, any of those things. And you just had said, that was a cool experience. Because I, right now, our industry is stuck with I have to grab more and more and more people's attention yeah. in order to try to hit my sales goals. And I'm trying to help them understand that that is absolutely not what they need. 
what they need is to to handle the the folks who are already interested and provide ways to amp up the wow. Because yeah. there's always going to be a premium for new construction. And anytime you hear the word premium, to me, I also think you, you better do something to impress me. Yeah. You know, we started this company a year and a half ago. So this has been a wild journey. And I will say that like I've I've interacted with people that I would never have expected that I was interacting with uh, a year and a half ago. So there, if, if I were to chat about all the people that I was impressed by, it'd be, <laughs> sure. be a really, this podcast would go on much, much longer. So I'll, I'll start with the technologies that have, have gotten me excited. And, and granted, these are going to be technologies that we're working with pretty much every single day. The first thing is when I actually did see just how far video game engines had come, I, I didn't realize this before really diving into the company is just how impressive some of the work that Epic has done with Unreal 5 has been, where I've, I've nerded out about video games for a while, but I didn't realize just how difficult it was to build a video game. Um, what Unreal 5 has done with Nanite and Lumen has been one of the coolest things. It might just be, you know, I imagine many of the listeners uh, for this podcast are not obsessing over, you know, uh, global illumination technology for video games, but <laughs> what they've been able to pull off has been some of the coolest stuff that I've I've ever seen, where now the actual speed it takes to actually build a video game scene is about a tenth of what it was before, because before you need to build every single object in the scene multiple different times in order for you to actually have a, a scene that works. So if you have a table in the scene, you actually have to build like five different versions of that exact same table in order for that video game engine to run. Now with Unreal yeah. 5, you can only build one table and it just works. So that that was something that wowed me. Um, I'd say another technology, which is pretty cool, is this uh, technology called pixel streaming. Um, where I, I didn't know about this before I started the company, but I, I think the um, general cloud gaming technology, which is what pixel streaming is, it's starting to really pick up. And I've been wowed by the fact that I can run these super, super photorealistic scenes on any device, regardless of how powerful mm. it is. So something I, I didn't realize was that now you can run like PS5 level graphics on like an iPhone 4. Sure. And because, uh, what pixel streaming does is they decouple a device's hardware with yeah. how powerful it is uh, because they're actually running the application in a faraway cloud. And then mm -hmm. you're, you're just viewing it on your phone screen. And so uh, that tech has been tech that as I dug into it and spent some time with it, it, the more I spend with it, I'm like, I think this is the future of just the way that people are going to be playing video games. Even like, it's interesting to see that meta has invested quite a bit of its uh, its money on this technology because they got so much backlash on the graphics that were being presented. <laughs> Remember, everybody was flaming yeah. Mark Zuckerberg for the like super low quality photos uh, or super low quality renders that uh, were coming out of Facebook. But I don't think people realize just how fast that's going to improve because of this new technology that almost nobody's talking about. So those are two technologies. I'd say in terms of like operators, I've been really, really damn impressed with. There's this guy, Zach Frankel, who is the founder of Better Mortgage or one of the founders of Better Mortgage. The more time that I spent with him, the more time I just felt like I was becoming more intelligent via osmosis. So <laughs> I, uh, I will say uh, of, of God, people. people that I've interacted with, he's somebody that shines really, really damn brightly, except for he doesn't really maintain a super loud profile. He doesn't even have a LinkedIn, but Zach Frankel, one of the co-founders of Better Mortgage, I think he's an absolutely incredible person. Awesome. Isaac? On my end, I only have one, but I think the last time I was wowed was seeing Mark Cuban come out with the cost plus drugs. I think that kind of to your point, 
Kevin, it's incredible what people can do when they just remove the barriers that they kind of set out for themselves. I think that a lot of limitations are frankly put by ourselves and what a lot of people can do individually just kind of goes past what people expect. When I think about the new sales world and what's normal and what our industry has done for the past 100 years and what people think they can do, it's there's a lot more coming and there's a lot more that can be done. And what Mark Cuban did and just helping out literally the entire United States was a wow moment for me because it was right there. Anyone else could have done it. He just kind of pushed past it and, and did it. And so that's my wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm always looking for even just regular consumer packaged goods companies. And one of my favorite illustrations to use and talks in years prior was whoever decided to put the ketchup bottle upside down and just let you squeeze it. Like we, we need more of those people in the world. <laughs> there was hundreds of years of Heinz telling everyone it's worth the wait. <laughs> and, and even the inside, you know, you got to hit the 57 to make it come out. Okay. And then someone said, no, just put the dang thing upside down. And that's the kind of stuff that I think it's great to have people like you looking at our industry from, from a new perspective, from a younger perspective, from a different perspective, because I'm hoping you're going to turn the bottle upside down on some of this for us. Yeah. I mean, one, so the first comment I want to make after you, you asked us the question of what makes us go, wow, I find it funny, just how different our answers were. Uh-huh. Mine was pixel streaming, <laughs> making the world a better place. And yours was like ketchup. Yeah. The, the ketchup model. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I find that funny. But the, the second thing is, I wanted to add to my answer to your question earlier of what makes us different than a rendering company. I think the, the reason why I want to add to this is because I think one thing that we can do is flip that ketchup bottle upside down in a way where I really do believe that if you can build these environments that are really engaging enough and photorealistic enough they can start to decouple when people start to build versus when they start to sell. That's the goal of stage glass is to make it possible for people to essentially list and sell properties more effectively than when they do exist before they exist. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And and I agree with it. And I think one of the examples, maybe counterintuitively, is that we need more great 3D models of spaces we already know really well. Yeah, It's almost as if in a miracle world, if I could send you some pictures of my house and then you turn that into that environment, it would give me the consumer then the confidence to say, huh, this actually does kind of feel like I'm sitting, you know, on the couch in my own family room. And now I can translate that with more certainty. And I think that's one of the interesting things about what entry is doing. We've talked about that on the podcast before in new segments, ntrygta.com. But, you know, they're recreating the city of Toronto using video game uh, engine technology in like a mirror world, uh, not necessarily as much about buying a new space, but I think there's something about having to build that trust and certainty by saying, this is something I already know well, and it's not fooling me, but it's also not giving me that, uh, what's it called when you look at the faces and the, the uncanny valley effect. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that I believed before starting this company, and one of the reasons why I started this company is I had this really strong belief that anything that you could purchase in person would primarily be purchased online at some point. And I really do believe there will be no exceptions to that, except for the challenge is, I don't think that it is as much a consumer behavior problem as much as it is a actual, it's just really hard to convey certain things over the internet. Mm -hmm. And so my bet right now, my big bet is that video game technology is going to 
radically improve the fidelity of the items that we're selling over the internet. Where if you want to just understand what a car actually looks like, I really believe that some simulations are going to make it really easy for you to really understand mm. exactly what that car is going to feel like. Same thing with houses, furniture, flooring, lighting, yep. fixtures. So yeah, good point. Makes complete sense. I just had a revolutionary thought that escaped me. So I'm going to pause <laughs> for a second and see if it comes comes back. Gosh, it was good. What were you thinking about immediately? Before? Oh, well, it, no, it was, well, it, again, it was this idea of, of metaverse and it's not the consumer, it's us. I'm waiting for the opportunity for real estate to become more like other industries are now, like fast fashion, yeah, where we can prototype 10 floor plans that are already spec to meet code, ready to go. But we're, instead of just saying, here's the five floor plans we have, which is one approach, right? No changes. It's just these five. The other approach is you can do anything you want, which is impossible to visualize. And, yeah. and you know, I was, yeah. I can't tell you the number of times I've downloaded a tool from the app store that's supposed to let me build my house in 10 easy steps. And I, I can't get <laughs> past four walls and a door. Yeah. So those are the two extremes we have. Why can't we have this completely iterative, unending variety, but also rules-based like a video game engine that lets people say, you know, that one. You know, I I can kind of jump into that. I think that coming from the real estate space and, and having some time in prop tech and just seeing how the real estate world interacts with technology for the specific space there, there's a reason we're starting creating floor plans that already exist, right? There's a future where there are other developers that add optionality, add an extra room, add an extra garage. And that's, of course, where we want to go. And the future will look exactly like you're saying, Kevin. I mean, at least that's how I see it. But there's the need to say, hey, this is what's here now. This is how easy it is to use. Start here. And Uh being able to start there, being able to pass on that perceived value to people in our space who have had a long, hard time with tech over the past 20 or so years. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're starting where we are. But I think that the future comes to that. It's the ability to create from nothing and the potentials will be huge. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Dolly and other systems, why can't you just say, I need a, I need a three-bedroom home that fits these dimensions with this aesthetic and then have the system generate 30 versions of it for you to quickly swipe left or swipe right and design your perfect dream house. Now that's going to be a while till we get there. I don't think it's impossibly far away. And the second thing is, I mean, this is me going, I mean, maybe this might be the one of the more contrarian things that I say, but I'm, I almost believe that when you are, when you're thinking about how to solve problems with, without AI that are AI driven problems, you actually come up with a bunch of like clever answers. Um, and so I think there are ways of generating many like homes that people would like just with simple heuristics. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's controversial at all. I, I think actually, I just want to slow you down for a second to make sure that everyone doesn't miss that, which is if you try to solve the problem without AI, that's when it's easier to start using AI if you solve right. it that way first. Right. And again, I didn't pre-program that in your brain. We've no. only talked once before for like eight minutes. Um, <laughs> And we completely agree on that. And I'm an old, I'm an old guy. You're a young guy uh, from a from a different background. And, and I think that's when you hear echoes of that same idea that people agree on. There's something there. Uh, yeah. So I, I just think that's incredibly important because too many people are, you know, they put .ai. I had to just double check, make sure you're not stageglass.ai, but <laughs> they just put .ai on their domain name, and they think that's going to be impressive. But I think the more people understand that, that it's kind of less impressive to say you're starting with AI. Yeah. 
AI is, is a really damn useful tool if it is purpose specific and there's a reason why you're using it that is like you can easily explain the utility of AI over just not using it. Well, um, yeah, and, but doesn't that all mostly boil down to doesn't have to eat, doesn't have to sleep and is incredibly fast at doing something relatively simple? Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, it, it's... I think the, the one thing that I've observed in my, I mean, because I've, I've only been working on this company for a year and a half, but I, I've seen some uh, s- almost swells of enthusiasm around certain technologies, whether it was Web3 tech or AI. Um, and one of the things that I, I, I see is a lot of engineers, really people who are far smarter than I am, get super excited about these new technologies that they really start building a business without clearly identifying like a, a, a problem to solve at the first place. And, I, and I'll yeah. even admit, when, when I started Stage Glass, the way that I started it was looking at macro trends, and then I zoomed in on a problem from there. But there are a lot of people who look at those macro trends and just kind of exist up there in the clouds. And then it's like, Okay, I've raised a round or two of funding. Wait a second. What initial problem are we actually solving? And how do we help, you know, create And by the time you get there, does the technology you built it on still work well enough to I mean, that's one of the challenges I think for people coming outside of real estate is everything does go slow. It goes slow for a reason because just to build something is going to take you a long time in the physical yeah. world. And a change that I make on, you know, version three of a floor plan. That might you might not see that hit reality for another year and a half or longer. Yeah. And so there's a reason why it goes slow, but then it also goes fast in terms of these catch-up periods where everything starts to dynamically shift quickly. And if you're if you're built off of an older technology, you can't make that leap. I, I just think there's definitely this this idea of, you know, I'm finally able to get close to a a, a gig of uh, fiber speed here, whereas there's people in second world countries. That's all they've ever had. They went from nothing to gig fiber. Yep. <laughs> like that's not fair. Wait, give it to me. <laughs> Why are they? You know, people people get lost with opportunity. I think that one of the hardest things and most important things for a company, especially like Stage Last, to do is hyper focus on what we're trying to solve for and make sure every single decision we make is helping solve that problem. I've seen many many companies die because of following really cool things that they could be doing. So figure out the problem, yeah. solve the problem. One thing I want to bring up, and not to bring everything back to a stage glass discussion, but one of the challenges that we faced at our early stage was having to make the decision between building some things in a way that would help us in the short term, but really frustrate us in the long term, as opposed to building things for about mm-hmm. a year or two out uh, and then working from there. And so there were some decisions that we made early on that were an absolute pain in the ass for anybody who really wanted us to start selling immediately, where we wanted to build our, <laughs> our you know, Isaac was upset about this, yeah. Uh, but it, I think it turned out to be uh, a, a decision that we'll be very upset happy. Upset but understanding, upset but understanding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the beginning of starting this company, we were we were faced with a choice of, okay, we want to help developers you know, not only list their properties several months earlier than they otherwise would be able to, but sell faster. How do you do that? By building these virtual units that can convey a property in its best light before it exists. But the that second part of conveying a property in its best light before it exists, if we were to use technology that was really in vogue two, three, four years ago, then we would be able to build our tool much faster, but it wouldn't be able to present the property very well, yeah. where you'd be able to you present these properties that would take 30 seconds to load and they weren't, 
you know, high quality enough to actually convince somebody to go through with the purchase of a property. And so we made the decision to start integrating these technologies that were kind of new and unproven and just led to a bunch of headache internally and just learning how to use them. Sure. Um, but now that we're actually starting to use them and deploy them at scale, now it's like, okay, this is the best decision that we made. And I am really, really damn grateful that I had some people who are telling me early on that I should be patient with this stuff because I, as a, you know, 21 year old at the time, really the last thing I wanted to do was be patient and wait for sales and wait for building something like a year out, a year sure. for me, an eternity. And so now that we actually have our product, you know, ready to scale a little bit more, uh, as a result of us dedicating our time to like working on these tools. Now I'm really grateful that we actually did make that decision. So, uh, yeah, I think that's great. And and I think sometimes I always have who I think is the, my audience thoughts in my head. And one of those thoughts may be, Kevin, is this like the seventh visualization organization that's been on the podcast in the last four years? It might be, <laughs> uh, but I think it's, I think what's really important is people ask me all the time, do I have a favorite company for X, Y, or Z? Yeah. And my answer more and more over the last um, several years, especially has been yes for you. I, right. I can't as Kevin Oakley have a favorite because building companies are different. Their, their desire, first of all, their needs are different. The systems yeah. that they're willing to use and the change they're willing to accept is different. And then their desires, which are very different than needs, are different. And so I, th I think it's important to, to be exposed to lots of different organizations, lots of different approaches, and lots of different mindsets, because even our company, Do You Convert, is not the best at what we do for everyone. We're, we're best for a certain type of company, and that's why we create content that we believe will attract the type of people who are going to be a good fit for us. But there's certainly... There, there's other options out there. And so I, th I think that's why it's, it's not like, well, you've already had one potential solution for the problem, move on to the next thing. It's, this is a big enough problem. I think that it's worth hearing lots of different voices about because it's, it's, it's like you said, it's one of these big things preventing us from, or in air quotes, selling homes online to a greater degree. Yeah. Absolutely. I did want to say is I think that you're, I love that uh, approach uh, of just providing advice, which is, um, you will never like giving blanketed advice to absolutely everybody is usually a terrible idea because you can provide some advice to somebody and it'd be the exact opposite of what they need to be focusing on. Uh, as we talked about earlier, there are some people who are thinking about how can I expand the number of leads that I receive, but you're saying, hey, for these, you know, these premium properties, it's really damn important that you actually you know, make sure that the experience is great for those few leads that you do have rather than trying to expand the number of leads that you do have. And yeah. so fun, like one of the things I wanted to bring up is, is stage glass at this stage um, right now, we are being hyper picky with who we are working with. We do want to, you know, work with these single family mid-market community developers that usually sell properties in several different phases um, yeah. and, you know, are usually selling under a thousand homes per year. That's, that's the ideal, you know, uh, group for us to be working with at this stage. Um, and one of the things that we did want to state is that we try our very best to make it really easy to use our tool, just both both for the, the home buyers who are going to be viewing these properties mm -hmm. online, 
as well as the people who are going to be integrating this technology. Because as Isaac has pointed out to me, one of the big aversions that I've seen from not just real estate developers, but just anybody in the real estate space is that a lot of prop tech companies are not really focused on improving their experience and making their tools easy to use. and so, but, but even there is another perfect example, Jack, of there, there are people listening who are like, oh, I want to get in on the ground floor with this, this organization so I can help mold the tool and, and get the experience out of it that my customers and my builder uh, wants. And then there's other people listening who are like, um, that's nice, but come back around in a couple of years. And that's OK, because yeah. at the end of the day, we, we, we all can try to manipulate the audience to show up the way we want them to show up. But at the end of the day, when when the sausage gets made, so to speak, I mean, let's just all make sure that the, that the fit is right. Yeah. And funnily enough, and, so and Isaac just winked and said he doesn't really need more leads anyway. So he just, um, he's converting. Isaac uh, Asab on LinkedIn, three hundred five five four four five. I think that listen, we we love hearing from everyone in our space. I mean, there's just there's a lot of interest in understanding how everyone looks at us and how everyone looks at their own industry. To Jack's point, we do have a very specific target that we're looking to work with now. And that's mostly because we want to learn from these, Yeah, basically our ideal client profile. We want to understand how to service them now, how to bring results now and build the right next iteration of our product to make them even more successful and then get into the larger accounts that we we have an intro to and we know people that are willing to intro us. But from experiences, we want to build something that works really damn well, that's extremely easy to adopt and implement and can just pass on an incredible amount of perceived value. And so we're taking our time. We're learning who's out there. We're understanding how the best people do what they do, which is why I was sliding into your LinkedIn DMs (laughs) months ago. And uh, it's about figuring out how to enable our customers. And genuinely, I mean, we've spent the last year going to conferences, understanding other service providers to the development space, to the new home builder space. And it's just such a good feeling knowing that there are so many people out there that are just trying to push the boundary on what can help us all succeed. That's one of my favorite things about the industry that we're in now and how I think stage last will be a big success. Yeah. Awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. And another thing that I wanted to state is that it's not a bad thing for people to be averse to technology right now. You've been reading my manuscript, haven't you? <laughs> no, I haven't. But I, I, I wanted, to, I wanted to say this, and this is not me buttering up like some of the some of the larger developers uh, that might be listening to this. But um, one of our earlier investors is Tishman Spire, and uh, the folks at Tishman Spire. One of the things that they said to us is, they said, "Look, when we do things, we go big, always, and we actually would prefer that when you come work with us, that you come with a more polished product than the product that you have right now." It's and I didn't take that as an insult as much as it is when we want to work with Tishman's buyer and selling all the condos that they're selling. We want to make sure that our product is super easy for them to implement. And so right now, the the people that we're working with, they are willing to you know implement our tool with with warts and all at this early stage as we continue to improve our process. But it's not a bad thing to be averse to technology at least at this initial stage, especially if you want to implement this across a lot of different properties. I understand how a lot of a lot of different groups have been not burnt by prop tech tools, but it's just been an absolute hassle. Well, there's there's too many walled gardens. There's too many. No, we we won't do that. Thanks for getting us here, but now we're going to pivot and make you do X, Y, and Z on top of what you paid a, us to do. You know, for A, B, and C. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I think 
you can't be an innovator everywhere. So you got to be choosy about. Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever seen that video of the baby trying to squeeze the square through like the little circular hole and it's just like, make it fit, like push yeah. it down like that. That to me is a lot of what PropTech has been in the past. And it's finding the right opportunities with the right partners to make sure that a sale makes sense and that the success uh-huh. is going to be for many, many years after that agreement gets signed. Right. Yep. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down and have a conversation with me about Stage Glass and what you're doing and for keeping this old guy young. <laughs> yeah, we're, you're the it's over, man, but it's such a pleasure, Kevin. Thank you so much for having us. You bet. See ya. Marketproof Marketing is proudly supported by Opendoor. Visit opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn how you can partner with Opendoor to increase certainty, speed, and ease for your home buyers. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. View hundreds of articles, videos, and more for free at doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on social networks or in real life. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.